<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Stand Up Speak Up. This is your host, Carla Stevens Tolstoy, and today we're talking with guest Sarah Payton. But we're going to be doing things a little differently today, and I hope It'll be interesting for you guys to have it a different style going in. Sarah is a therapist, and I'm going to put all of her credentials into the intro of this podcast because instead of me interviewing her, we're going to be actually going into a therapy session together. And I'm going to be her client, and she's going to be helping me get through some of my mental health issues. I had not um, known much about Sarah up until a few months ago when my daughter-in-law bought me her book, which I highly recommend, Affirmations for Turbulent Times. And I felt like her writing and what she wrote about, I felt like she was inside my head. And I just knew that this was someone I had to connect with. And I knew was someone that I had to meet along my journey of trying to figure out how to live with stage four cancer. So I hope you enjoy it. I know I have opened myself up a lot. I've made myself incredibly vulnerable. I hope it helps those listening or else I feel like I'm just putting myself out in the universe with all my fears and it didn't even help anyone. So I hope it does help you. Okay, I'll just get on with it. Here we go. Carla, hello. What's the emotional burden that's bothering you the most? What are you what are you most up against? In my situation, I have a lot of ongoing anxiety mm. and depression I've been dealing with. It's been really, really hard and I've been trying to get to the root of it. And I think, you know, I've been able to come to an understanding of where it all, you know, where it's all coming from and why it's causing me so much uh, attention and anxiety and stress and depression is I feel that I'm caught in the middle of being afraid to be alive and also afraid of dying. Does it feel like you've always been afraid of being alive or is that something new? No, it's something really new because before I had a really active life. I just did a lot. I could get up and go and go for a run. You know, anything that you take for granted and then take that away if you're in bed 60 to 70% of the time because I've had pretty extensive spinal surgery I have cancer tumors throughout my body, and it causes me many times to be mobile and in too much pain for me to do many things. So I try to do um, exercising three times a week with a kinesiologist 
but life has changed. My life is completely different. So when you so when you say I'm afraid to be alive, is it a little bit like I'm afraid to be alive with this diagnosis and with this pain and with these changes? Yeah. 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 For instance, today I had such intense pain in my back and I just had to lay in bed and I just had to take the painkillers, but the painkillers, they don't take away the pain. That's like what people think. It just takes the edge off. The pain. Mm, mm, and so mm. I have to sit there and meditate and really just close my eyes and just try to really just wait and to talk to my body. Um, I love you. You're doing such a good job. Just trying to talk loving to it, almost like I'm talking to a child. That's very beautiful. Does your body respond to you talking in such a sweet way to it? It does. I mean, it took me quite a few years to get there because I was diagnosed. I'm going into my fourth year, but I had six years of being misdiagnosed. People thinking it was to do with my mental health oh, and that I didn't have any physical issues. And that was really difficult, um, really just hard. And then when they did say okay you're in stage four and you your, your body is full of cancer I just the first thing I did is I started laughing I started to say like okay like what I told everybody this I kept telling everyone like I know where it all is I know where all my tumors are and nobody would listen to me yeah so just to speak to the viewing audience the listening audience so they have a sense of what we're working with Carla we're thinking about how can resonant language and relational neuroscience give you any bit more breathing room, peace, uh, self-warmth, uh, all of that. And it sounds like you've been really doing some beautiful work on self-warmth. I've had and to really work. It's not easy. It was not easy. It was months and months and months, probably six to eight months now of reading a lot of different books and trying mm -hmm. to understand why does it, first thing is, why does it matter how I talk to my body? Mm. That was the starting off point. Like, yeah, of course. No difference. Yeah. I didn't even believe it made a difference. Right, right. And, but you've discovered that it has. But I know that if I'm in intense pain and I start to talk to it, and I start to say things like, I'm going to be okay. This will pass. Just we have to be patient. And, you know, there's a reason why this happened. And I didn't take my painkillers as, as soon as I should have. And I just have to keep talking to myself. But a typical day is like, I could have that. Like these past week and a half, I've been sleeping um, a lot past week and a half I've been um, depressed and I've been anxious I have been trying to be open with therapy and join different therapeutic type classes allow myself to be vulnerable and open which has not ever been easy mm. for me so I've had to really focus on um that it's okay to be exposed. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you would love to live in a world where where you got to have just a, a way more choice about how much pain you were in and way more choice about how much vulnerability 
you needed to live with. I wonder if you'd like a little bit of reciprocity and consent from from the life force. Well, I think I think the scared of living is when I have like a day like today. And I think there's going to be a time that this could be every day. And mm. even though that's a what if, and I know that's, a, you know, you, you can't talk in what ifs. You have to talk in what's now. But there's a fear in my head that's like, as this gets worse, what is going to happen to someone like me who could no longer be productive? Mm. And that's why I love affirmations for turbulent times. And I loved when you talked about living with long-term illness and what it feels like, you know, to just not feel productive when society rates people on their level of productivity. Yeah, do you need to know? I mean, this is part of the affirmation, but do you need to know that our our contribution is in our presence in our being in our love it's not in our doing it's not in our accomplishments and and I find that really hard to believe because I'm like yes I want to believe that but at the same time I feel like everybody asks you when you see them hey what are you up to I'm like oh well I slept all day yesterday and the day before I slept oh and then I fit in some Netflix shows because I needed a rest from my resting And so I try to hold on to doing this podcast, doing our store as a hopes of having something productive. Mm, And a way to contribute, a way to reach people, a way to be in contact too, huh? Yeah. And just so I have something to talk about, you know, for the podcast, I know people can, they make them really fast. They do them weekly and that's not a situation that I can do because um, it takes me a long time to put everything together and I enjoy the whole aspect of it because at the end of that when that button's pushed and it's released out I feel this sense of euphoria of of like Mm. I accomplished something yeah oh and the fellow that I that that created nonviolent communication and the fellow that that uh, I just love his work in the world so much, Marshall Rosenberg, who, who, who wrote all about nonviolent communication. He said, our greatest human need is contribution. And that that's what people need more than anything else. But I do think... I agree. That, yeah. I do think that we can, if you'd like to, um, we could take a look just to see if you have a contract, an unconscious contract, that asks you to contribute in order to in order to earn your place in the world because if you have that kind of contract it's really hard to believe that you know your presence is what's most important and of course even on a podcast your presence is what's most important yeah okay i mean i'm not familiar with that wonderful well you can first of all kind of think about your mom and your dad did they also have this sense that it was so important to 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 earn your way to contribute to to be loved for doing yes i mean yeah. i can't imagine many parents that are comfortable with their kids doing nothing oh gosh no but there's also i mean i don't know what part of canada you were raised in and your family came from but there's such a strong work ethic in canada i mean 
you know, and there had to be for people to be able to survive the winters. Well, we're in like in Toronto, which mm-hmm. is um, more like a little New York. Mm, sweet. Uh, so we're, we, we act a lot like New York City does. Uh-huh. And, did your folks and your grandparents, I mean, did everybody live in Toronto? Is Toronto your family's home since the time you guys came to Canada? No, they came from Winnipeg initially. Like my family was one of the earliest Canadians. I mean, I can't even think back how long, but. So would you say there was a strong ago. work ethic in that family? Um, I think we were raised to be to be hardworking, to save yeah. your money, to not ever, ever take advantage of any type of handout. You know, as we went through COVID, there are a lot of handouts and my son could have got one for going to university. He could have got a, you know, because there's not very many jobs available and there was all this health scare out there. And so a lot of people were able to get uh, to get money for their education so they didn't have to work over the summer. And I just did not feel comfortable taking that because I knew that we had the means and I just didn't want to take that from the pot. Mm. That was like yeah, really so, important. From our, so the well-being of the whole community is so important to you. Yeah, from an integrity standpoint. And yeah. anything that can equalize our communities, I'm a strong proponent of. So just kind of going from this, it might be that you have a contract that's even with your family line. It would sound something like this. Hi, Carla. Solemnly swear to you, my family line, that I will never stop working in order to contribute and to be in integrity, no matter the cost to myself. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's what I would sign. (laughs) One of the things that my doctor and therapist talked to me about not too long ago was um pacing that contract makes it hard to pace that's right Mm -hmm. and the shame that I feel with not being productive so now what we want to do is we want to ask if we got pretty close to what the words might be uh I Carla solemnly swear to my essential self that I and oh to my family line and my essential self, that I will never stop working in order to contribute and to be in integrity, no matter the cost to myself. Is there any way to make those words even more true? No, I think that's pretty that's spot pretty on. close. Okay. Yeah. So now we want to say, and you can see if you want to say, do you want to say the words aloud so that you can sort of hear it in your own voice? Okay, sure. I mean, to do it along with you? Yeah, I'll do it with you. I, Carla. I, Carla. Solemnly swear. Solemnly swear. To my essential self and to my family line. To my essential self and my family line. That I will never stop working. That I will never stop working. In order to contribute and to be in integrity. In order to contribute and have integrity. No matter the cost to myself. No matter the cost to myself. Yeah. Now we're going to check with your essential self. Mm-hmm. And we're going to say, Carla's essential self, did you hear this vow? Yeah, I heard it. Do you like this vow? Do you want to keep it? Is it a good vow for Carla even now? Was good when she was young? It was good to keep her belonging to the family line? Is it still a good vow? I don't think it's, I just don't know another way to be. Let's think about what the blessing would be if you were to release this vow. 
And so it would be, uh, Carla, I release you from this vow and I revoke this contract. And instead, I give you my blessing to know that your presence contributes. And to know that integrity comes from being honest about how much you have to give, how much energy you have to give, and how much you can do and still take care of yourself. What if that were the blessing? Would that be an okay blessing? Yeah, that would be an okay blessing. Mm -hmm. Then go ahead and say, Carla, I release you from this vow. Carla, I release you from this vow. And I revoke this contract. And I revoke this contract. And instead, I give you my blessing to... And instead, I give my blessing to... And see if you can remember any of it or if you just want me to repeat it. No, can you repeat? Yeah, I can repeat it. I also uh, have like the cancer, um, fog. The pain, yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, I give you my blessing to uh, to know that that your contribute your truest contribution is your presence. Okay, so I I know that my truest my truest uh, contribution, contribution is my presence yeah yeah and um and that it, it, the 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 deepest integrity is having honesty about how much energy you have the deepest integrity is being honest about the energy i have mm-hmm. and, and 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 to know that love is the mover and to know that love is the mover yeah how does that land for you? It lands well. It's just hard to figure out how to go from one to another. Right. And another part of what we've been doing is we thought this might also be connected with your family line. So just for a little moment, you get to be, uh, let's say, your great-great-grandmother. If you just yeah. become your great-great-grandmother for a little minute. And we say, great-great-grandmother of Carla, did you hear Carla's contract? Did you want me to say that? Yeah, I want you to, okay. well, I, I want, I'll want. i say what the contract is, and you just be your great-great-grandmother and see whether yes, she okay. heard it. Yeah, yeah. I'm the great-great-grandma. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the contract is to never stop working. Even though Carla has uh, very intense cancer and very intense pain, and is f- learning and figuring out ways to contribute with her presence. Even so, she's still trying to drive herself because she wants to be in integrity with the family values. Great, great grandmother, did you hear this? I heard it. And how do you like it? What's your sense about this? I think that Carla makes needs to make her health the priority. That's what would make all of us happy. Oh, that's very beautiful. Thank you so much. Please just say to her, Carla, I release you from this vow. Carla, I release you from this vow. And I revoke this contract. And I revoke this contract. And I give you my blessing to put your health first. And I give you my blessing to put your health first. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Now, now what happens now that we did that second part? I don't know what happens. Well, what's it like to be you? What's it like to to be up against this uh, this cancer stuff? It all sounds very like rational, but 
there's still a lot of emotion tied to it and guilt mm. and shame. And I don't know how, like those would have to be figured out as well, because mm -hmm. if I don't feel like I'm productive, I feel so worthless. So then a part of there's another contract or another layer of the same contract that's I will be productive in order to have worth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is common. Oh, gosh, yes, it's isn't it? It's happening in the world. Yes, it's so common. Yeah. That you're only worth something if you can state the value you bring basically to the world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, if, yeah. You know, and if you're unemployed and if you're on disability, let's say, because of um, sickness or pain or you have cancer... I feel like there's no place for those people, you know? And, and what I find interesting about what's happening with COVID is how you'll hear some people say things without thinking, like, well, it's really only people with the low immune systems that are dying. Okay, well, that's actually people like me. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And are you yeah. saying that you feel because we sit in a couch that that's, I mean, life isn't that great for us anyways? I mean, it's almost in that statement. What I take from it is, Okay, I get we're not as valuable as the other person to um, the community. We can't offer as much. Um, but it still hurts to think that is where we're being pushed into. Do you know, like people that can't contribute in the traditional ways. Yeah. Um, so when you say I have guilt and shame, just for a moment, just see if you were to finish the sentence, I feel guilty that, and just tell me what the rest of that sentence is. I feel guilty that. I feel guilty that I am lazy. Mm. Um, I feel I'm a burden because mm. I have lots of people to take care of me. Mm. I feel useless. Because I need help with everything. Mm. I feel embarrassed. Mm. I sometimes have to wear a diaper or that I always need help to get out of the bath. Mm. I feel shame that someone else has to clean mm. my bed and things and bring food to me. It's so feel, important to name these things. I feel sad. That my 20-year-old son has to be a caregiver. Hmm. I feel hmm. so sad about that. Yeah. I feel like my husband is now stuck with me. Stuck. Hmm. So, so there's... there's uh, just for a moment, go ahead. Uh, you moved right to it naturally as you began to speak about your son. But let yourself just say, see how it is to say, I feel so sad that I have lost my autonomy yeah. and, my, and my ability to take care of myself. So go ahead and claim it if it's okay. Only if it's okay, let yourself say, I feel so sad about the losses. I feel... And grieve. Yeah. And I'm so sad about my losses. And yeah. when I think about those losses, I think I'm scared of living. 
Yeah, of course, because you, because you, for you, before you had to deal with cancer, living meant something really different, didn't it? It meant, oh God, if I only knew, if I only knew then what I know now mm -hmm. about the importance of life and how mm -hmm. people just opening their doors and going for long walks or going for a jog or going to play tennis. And yeah, how much of a gift things. that all is. It's so much of a gift. And yeah. I look at people and I think, you'll never know what a gift you have. Yeah, yeah. And this is such an amazing movement to move to the morning. And just tell me, now that you've gotten to name a bit of the sadness and a bit of the mourning, tell me if the guilt still feels as strong or if, if once we name the mourning, the guilt fades somewhat. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but we're just checking to see. I think I feel, I feel better, you know, mm -hmm. addressing it, but I don't know how. I know that I have to change my perspective on it. Well, let's come back to this contract. I will believe that my worth is in what I do. I believe that my worth is in what I do. And then say, I, I believe this in order to. I believe this in order to. And then what's the in order to? I, I believe this in order to just like be survive, like be happy, be, be loved, be respected. Mm-hmm. I will believe that my worth is in what I do in order to survive, in order to be loved, and in order to be respected, no matter the cost to myself and the people I love. And then we'll say again, essential self of Carla, did you hear this vow? To believe that Carla's worth is in what she does in order to be loved and respected, in order to survive, no matter the cost to herself and the people she loves. I mean, I, I hear it and you're, you're saying it and I'm, and I'm thinking, yeah, like, of course, like that doesn't make rational sense. Like I, I know that, you mm -hmm. know, but I can't stop how mm -hmm. it makes me feel Yeah. inside because I, I just, and then sometimes what happens is I start to feel guilty and because I think maybe I'm not pushing myself. Mm. No, I'm not yeah, of course. Up. That's I the message that more. comes from this contract. Of course, yeah. That comes like from... I have yeah. to. I can't be on the couch this much. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do some housework. I'm going to do. I mean, it usually ends in a bad situation mm -hmm. with pain, but I just don't want to believe it. Yeah. So I get up and I push myself. Right. And then people get mad at me because when I push myself and then I get in pain, I need more caregiving. Yeah, of course. Of course. And so they have resentment. Yeah. And I'm just trying to be helpful. Yeah. So just see, you know, I mean, see if you want to release the vow because you've made it to yourself. You've promised yourself to believe this. And you can see if there's another layer. I will believe that I have to, to do in order to have any worth so that I survive. I will believe this in order to. I don't know. I find it like hard to, to say. 
Yeah. Yeah, it can be hard to say. It can be very hard to say. Sometimes, you know, we're doing it because this is what we were told. You know, our parents said, you know, basically, you work or you starve. You know, I mean, that's the kind of message we would get from our folks, even if they didn't really mean it. But just thinking about the past and about what kind of contracts we're, we're given, what kinds of kind of gifts of, of unconscious contracts were given. So these, this is the kind of work that, that's part of the resonance work, is like really being with ourselves with gentleness and warmth and, and acknowledging the truth of like what we're struggling with. Like, do we need acknowledgement? That, that's the message we've always, always received that our very cells think that that's the truth, that we have to work to have any worth, that we have to produce, be productive to have any worth. Would yeah. you say that that's a common one? Yeah. Would you say right now, like, are the top five most common vows that people make mm-hmm. and they hold on to? Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. I think the most common ones are to keep themselves from feeling stuff in order not to be disappointed and heartbroken. That's a big one. And then uh, another one is to believe bad things about themselves, like to believe that they're lazy or to believe that they're stupid or to believe that they're not enough. I will believe these things in order to uh, make my mom right, in order to belong to my family that has these values, in order to um, accompany my father in his depression and aloneness. There are all kinds of ways that we make these kind of contracts and vows. And so the most common ones, the most common five are, I will believe bad things about myself. Uh, I will not feel. I will um, keep myself from having any hope in order not to be disappointed. I will not fully commit to this life in order to not have to hurt often. Um, And I think the last one is, I will not I will not believe that I'm a loving radiant being. I mean, uh, that's such an interesting one, the last one, because mm-hmm. during the years that I've been doing this podcast and meeting so many different people from all walks of life, we did quite a bit of work with foster care and um addictions and and things where people just felt like they were so unworthy of any love. And I always thought if there was only a pill for that, yeah, you know, it would change the world. Yeah. Because so many people feel unworthy. Yeah, so many do. And it's like we're all being our own worst enemy, but we keep, we keep doing it, although we know it's like not coming from a healthy place. For someone to not feel loved or feel like they're they're worthy of being loved 
you know, are there any similarities to upbringings or to traumatic experience that have happened? I guess what I would say is that uh, it's the most common human response to to the world that we live in and to the trauma burden that most people are living with and living under. Our trauma burdens stop us from being truly connected to our children and truly delighting in them. And so, you know, we're human. We know to miss that. We're like, dang, there's no delight. And we can feel it, I think. I think we arrive, you know, with the capacity for delight. And when it's missing, we go, oh, there must be something wrong with me. But there's nothing wrong with us. Our parents just are struggling with trauma and depression themselves. So it's quite an interesting... Yeah. One generation to the next. And those... I mean, cases, and you look at all the different ways of healing, and that's one of the things that I'm doing is I'm looking at all different ways of healing and starting to share that, whether that's through podcasts or blog posts. I mean, what do you think are the most effective ways that you've come across for people to heal? Well, the kind of work that we've been doing today is really supportive for people. So you may have noticed that there was no time when I was uh, telling you that you were wrong. I was not trying to reframe your world. I was not trying to tell you that, that what you're living with is not hard. I was just staying right with what your expressions were, which is really important for us to have this sense of being understood and known, and especially when we're having big experiences with things like cancer and illness and pain We need accompaniment. We need people to be walking right with us and to be saying, yeah, it's true. Not judging, not questioning. Exactly, Um, yeah. What kind of power do you see in group therapy versus one-on-one therapy? Mm, I think any kind of, any place where we have resonance and we have a sense of being understood is just as effective as any other place. So the most important thing is the resonance, not the number of people. If we have a resonant group, we're great. If we have a resonant one-on-one caregiver, we're great. It does not matter. I feel extremely lucky to be part of some group therapy Mm -hmm. where I'm with other people that are going through what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. I find it very powerful. Mm -hmm. Whereas one-on-one has kind of a different role. Mm-hmm, that it mm-hmm. kind of does deeper dives. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. But, and I guess that... uh, in your work, you do both, yeah. but mostly group, would you say? You do more? Oh, I do probably 50-50. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I do lots of classes where we're doing this kind of, having these kinds of conversations that you and I have been having. Do lots of one-on-one work where we're having the kinds of conversations you and I have been having. And really looking at these, at these unconscious contracts, because as we touch... The, the traumas that the unconscious contracts were formed within and begin to heal the traumas, which you and I were not touching on today. We were not touching on traumas. We were just kind of working with a sense of family line. But you can also work with the traumas and, and touch those as well with healing. And that also can help us have this sense that we don't need to hold on to those old contracts anymore. So I think this is good. I'm going to just sit with it for a bit. All right. Thanks very much, Carla. I hope that what we did served you. 
Well, that was really intense. As I listen back, and I've listened to it a few times now, I realize that re-listening to a therapy session is even more important than having the actual therapy session. I know that makes no sense because in order to have it, you'd have to have, you'd have to have it to listen to. But I just mean the power of re-listening to it was um, even more, even more um, amazing for me because I just realized how ridiculous all these contracts that I have every side of myself. I have it with all my relationships as being, you know, a mom, a sister, an aunt, a daughter, just everything. And how I create these contracts that are not good for my mental health, they're not good for my physical health, but I think somehow they're needed in order to make me a better aunt, a better mother, a better daughter. But that's totally, it's totally ridiculous. That's not true. Because I can promise you that every single person that I have a relationship with wants me to be healthy physically and emotionally, and they don't have any other expectation of me. And I do believe that they just want me to be here and be alive. I don't have to be this huge, productive, high-functioning person in order to have an existence here. And, and I realize how all of us suffer from so many of the same things. And yet, we judge ourselves so harshly. It, it's just like, why do we do that to ourselves? And when we see somebody doing that to someone else, we have no problem stepping in and and saying, hey, that, don't treat that person like that, but we don't do the same when it comes to how we treat ourselves. So I think what came from all this to me is I'm, I'm gonna journal all my contracts. I'm going to rewrite them and then I'm going to burn them in my sink because at this age and at this stage of my life I don't need any contracts gun contracts are binding and they're not freeing and I hope that out there some of you got some value because opening myself up like that and allowing myself to be vulnerable I hope helped someone else out there and that it doesn't come across as too narcissistic. That was a fear of mine is that, oh my God, they're gonna think I'm such a narcissist to put online my own therapy. But it was actually scary for me to do it and I didn't even want to press the upload because it was so scary for me. But I hope that it has value out there in the universe. Thanks for listening. This is Carlos Diemis Tolstoy for Stand Up, Speak Up 2022. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. 
I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.